Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Legend Labs recently announced a license agreement with the University of California to produce an all-natural muscle supplement, which lab studies show can increase muscle mass gains by over 200%. Doing all the heavy lifting in this research is Dr. Keith Barr, also known as the muscle scientist. He joins us now from UC Davis. Welcome to the NutriCast, Dr. Barr. Thank you very much, Danielle. It's nice of you to have me. So right off the top here, I just got to know, how did you become known as the muscle scientist and um, how did your background play into that? Well, I don't know who calls me that. I, I get to have the, the Twitter handle of muscle science because I, I started in Twitter kind of early compared to a lot of people. I got interested in muscle as an undergraduate in college where I started working as a strength coach for the University of Michigan football team. So I was in there and working with a great staff there to to really try and understand how to push young, strong, incredibly gifted athletes to the maximum muscle growth and, and the maximal strength that they could attain in a relatively decent short period of time. At the time, I was also working in laboratories at the university, and then I started to actually train more seriously as a scientist getting a master's degree at Berkeley and then going and doing a PhD at the University of Illinois. And it was during my PhD that I actually discovered one of the, one of the mechanisms by which muscle grows in response to resistance exercise. So when we do heavy lifting, we actually, what the load on our muscle does is it turns on a specific protein in muscle that's called mTOR. And it's specifically when that mTOR protein is within complex one, that it can actually drive the increase in muscle mass. And in fact, when you take amino acids together with your strength training, what the amino acids do is they also activate this protein complex, mTOR complex one. And so we had really, in my PhD, I I identified that when you do heavy lifting and the increase in muscle mass that we see with strength training, it's exactly proportional to the amount of uh, mTOR activity you can get in that muscle after you do a single bout of exercise. And so that really focused us for a long time on the the anabolic side of things. And so a lot of the research that I'd done for years is on basically how to grow muscle. And so we always talk about that your muscle size is the sum of how much muscle protein you're making versus how much protein you're breaking down. And so the mTOR complex one side of things is, is basically controlling how much protein your, your muscles are making, and that's gonna drive the muscle bigger. So when we do resistance exercise, we get that mTOR complex one active, and that's gonna make our muscles bigger. And so I had done that work, did, did a postdoc looking at some endurance exercise things, And then I've started my laboratories, both in Scotland and here at the University of California, Davis, looking at things that are going to improve muscle size and strength, as well as performance. So your latest research, you found a way to increase muscle mass gains by over 200%. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that study and how you came up with that finding? Sure. So as I was saying, what we had focused on are, are these positive effects. So when I do strength training, I activate mTOR complex one, and that gives us, that's like 
if I'm driving a car and I use an analogy of a car, that's like pressing down harder on the accelerator. That's going to help me go faster or build my muscle faster. But what we discovered probably about 12 years ago now is that when we do specific types of things where we drive muscle mass at its highest rate, what we find is there's a lot of things within the muscle that actually try and slow the progression or slow the increase in muscle mass. So what we describe these things as are what we call molecular breaks. So because in a sense, what it was trying to do is you do your strength training, you're taking your protein, your, your leucine-rich protein supplements. What that's doing is that's pressing hard on the accelerator. But what we are realizing is that as you press harder and harder on the accelerator, you get bigger and stronger. You're actually pulling up the handbrake at the same time. So you're, you're actually activating this, this series of brakes that we have in our body. And if you think about it evolutionarily, it makes sense because muscle is an extremely energetically costly tissue. And what that means is that if you have limited amount of resources, you have a limited amount of food, if you're a bigger, stronger person, you are going to need much, much more food because your muscle mass is going to set your basal metabolic rate. And so if you have a lot of muscle mass and the stress of evolving was at a time where we didn't have a lot of food, having a lot of muscle mass would actually be a bad thing. So there's all kinds of little breaks that prevent you from increasing your muscle too fast. And then what we discovered along the way is that using a specific set of animals that didn't have one of the molecular breaks, in the, in the laboratory, we use these models to increase muscle mass as a result of loading. When we use this animal that had one single protein that was mutated or knocked out of it, when we did this loading model, what we found is that from the same loading model, whereas the wild type animals would increase their muscle mass about 70%, the knockout animals would increase their muscle mass about 140%. So you're getting about twice as much of an increase in muscle mass. And when we looked at different drugs that could inhibit that same protein, and when we injected one of these drugs on a nightly basis into our animals, those animals, their muscles, again, grew almost twice as well as the ones that were getting um, the control injection. And so that was really cool. And, and so you think about this, and, and these are all really great things. But then what we decided to do is we decided to look for natural products. So these are things that you would find in food that have the same kind of activity that you find in different drugs. And we decided to do a big screen of natural products that could inhibit that same molecular break that we were targeting, either in the mice by knocking it out or using a, using a drug that was specifically inhibiting it. And what we found is that a whole bunch of these natural products, almost 40 of them, could inhibit that protein that we were interested in. And then what we did is we, we narrowed it down to, to three different natural products. And these natural products, we selected them because they were three different classes of, of chemicals and that they were commonly used in foods. And so then we did a series of studies they were designed to figure out the best combination and concentration of these three natural products. We found that when we optimized the combination and concentration of those natural products, and we did our loading model, the muscle mass, the muscle fiber size increase that we would see was significantly greater than if we gave the animals the placebo control. 
And even if we did the same three natural products, but we put them together in different, in different combination and concentration, we could actually predict exactly how much the muscle fiber would get bigger based on which and how much of the natural products were there. And so what that really told us is that these natural products were having a really positive effect on muscle fiber growth. Are you able to share which natural products those are? Yeah, so we've had a, a handful of patents based on, on this. The natural products are, are simply three different things. It's epicatechin, which is a small natural product that you would find in, in chocolate. Basically, gallatin, which is a ECGC, which you would find in green tea. And then we, we took celestrol as well. And celestrol is something that you find in the thunder god vine. And these are the three natural products. And these are all, two of them are, are generally recognized as safe. So they're actually, I think all three of them are, are grass certified. So that, that means that they're generally recognized as safe when they're in foods. And they're, they're commonly, they're different common products that you would find in, in specific supplements. And there is actually a literature on certain ones. So like for the epicatechin, for example, there is a literature that says that it has a positive effect on muscle mass. It also is supposed to positively affect mitochondria, but nobody's put together these three agents in the combination and concentration that we did in order to really see this significant effect on muscle fiber growth. I'm curious how the R&D process went. Obviously, you guys put a lot of work into this and figuring out which ingredients to use. Did the pandemic shut down your lab or in any way impact R&D? Uh, absolutely. So, so most of the R&D that we had done before the pandemic was all of this series of animal studies. And, and really what we've been focused on doing is, is trying to gear up and do a human study. But as you can imagine, getting people into a laboratory at close contact when they're strenuously trying to lift weights, it's not something that we're um, really able to do right now, given the pandemic situation. So so the one thing that we have yet to do is the human study. We've done a, a series of, now it's up to five different animal studies from the knockouts to the, to the initial drug studies to, to the validation studies of the natural products. And all of them are consistent that when we block the, that molecular break, we get this bigger increase in muscle mass than if we just trained alone. So we're really, really confident in the data that we have to date. The biggest thing that we need to do is we need to do this in people to see, to give you an exact number as to, as to what the effect size is going to be in people. And as soon as we can get through the pandemic to the point where we can get um, subjects in for you know, an eight-week training protocol, that's, the, that's exactly the study that we're going to be doing. Okay, so has that affected your launch then? I know that they were hoping to have the, the human study before the launch. Again, I don't... I'm not directly involved in the company. I, I did not spin out the company. Uh, the University of California licensed the uh, patent to the company that's been developing the MBX 200. So, so I've been working together with, this, with the group there, but I don't have as good an understanding as to kind of the implementation on their side of things. But I know that they were hoping to have human data before they did the launch, um, but again, with the data that we have, it's, it's very strong in the animal models. So they felt comfortable now to be able to hopefully move this to a point where they can get the launch done in the next 
few months here. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's called MBX 200. How did you come up with that name? It's a muscle builder that's t- times 200%. So, so 200% is a, a twofold. It, and that's really what we'd seen in some of the, in some of the early animal studies. So the idea is that it's going to build muscles bigger and we're using the, the 200 there from the, from the animal studies where we see a, a 200 percent or a twofold increase in the muscle mass gains that we see with our loading model. Okay. That makes sense. And as you said, it builds muscle faster with the same amount of exercise. So people take this, they don't have to change anything. Uh, What about their diets? Is there, especially when it comes to somebody who might be on a calorie restricted diet, how does that play into all this? Um, This is actually going to be absolutely perfect for that individual. This is the type of individual who would actually benefit the most from this. As you uh, and, and your listeners are probably aware, it's, it seems like it's a lot harder to build muscle when you're in a caloric deficit. And part of the reason that that is true is because of these molecular breaks. And specifically, the, the break that we're targeting is one that is, that's activated by caloric deficit. So one of the things that is happening is that when we exercise a lot, we train a lot, we're using a lot of calories and a lot of energy from that muscle. And that muscle gets what we, as scientists, we call it metabolic stress. And all that means is that it's trying to build protein and that protein, it takes a lot of energy to build protein. It's trying to do the exercise and the exercise takes a lot of energy. So all of those things are using ATP and we're only producing ATP at a certain rate. And so the result is that what your body does is it slows the increase in muscle protein synthesis and muscle mass in order to adapt to whatever that kind of level of energy that you have in the muscle. And the way that it's doing that is using a couple of these molecular breaks. And those are the things that that are targeted by the natural product inhibitors that we've developed as part of, as part of this product. Okay. And I understand you are working with some pro sports and Olympic teams. So I'm a consultant for a number of pro and Olympic teams. We haven't discussed the MBX 200 yet, but I do a lot of consulting with, with professional and Olympic teams as far as performance and injury prevention. Okay. So I'm just thinking, you know, when you're developing certain formulations, you're probably really thinking about what you put into these supplements, especially when they're being taken by professional athletes who often get tested for banned substances. Absolutely. So, so part of what, what I've been pushing the, the company to do is to make sure that, that everything that they're doing is both NSF certified, which is going to give you the certified as safe for sport um, certification. And that's a batch testing. And it makes sure that there aren't anything that would cause negative tests to, to occur, but also to look because a lot of times natural products are extracted with, with things like arsenic or other agents, which are, have a huge metabolic effect as well. Because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the natural products are extracted in areas where arsenic is used as a, as a natural or as a simple and inexpensive way to, to get out whatever the natural product you're interested in. But it's also obviously going to have a, a, a significant effect on an individual who were to take a product that was extracted with arsenic. And so I really encourage them to do extra testing to make sure that, that not the natural products that they're using are 
not being extracted in that way and that, that they're safe from a lot of these toxic chemicals that are sometimes used in the extraction process. Mm-hmm. It's such an important topic for everybody, but especially athletes whose career could potentially be derailed or even, you know, banned. Absolutely. So there's definitely not going to be anything like any of the banned substances that you would potentially see. Things like um, anabolic or angiogenic steroids or all of those things, those are screened for in the NSF certification process. So it is really, really important. And, and really, for a lot of the things that we look at, those anabolic and angiogenic substances aren't going to give you this, the kind of effect size that, that we're going to see here. So having them is not necessarily going to be, you know, having more of those together with, with what we've created is not necessarily going to actually increase the amount of muscle mass. So it's not something that's necessary and it's something that's potentially detrimental. We did have one instance where we had a, a high performance military individual whose performance was dropping significantly. We went through what he was taking. He was taking a, a product that was a, a salt-based supplement But when we actually did the analysis of the salt-based supplement, he was taking large amounts of two different kinds of poison within the supplement. And obviously his performance was deteriorating quite significantly. So I understand to a very strong degree that it's not necessarily the greatness of whatever the product is that somebody has identified using the scientific process. But a lot of times it's the safety with which that product is put into something that is going to be consumed by an individual. Wow. What a story right there. That's almost unbelievable. That just goes to show you, you really have to do your research on supplements that you take. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we do, when we do preps for our research, 98% purity from specific companies, when we have to step out of those specific companies, any product that we get, we're going to send a, a component off of that's going to get tested for just a huge variety of different potential, which might also be contaminants within that, within that product. We want to do that because when we, when we think we're using celestrol, we want to know that the only thing in here is celestrol. It doesn't have some other component that's going to actually have a biological effect, either positive or negative. So we do a lot of that investigation whenever we're working in the laboratory. And I've really tried to push that this has got to be a focus for the product development on this side. Most definitely. And speaking of being in the lab, do you have anything going on? I know you mentioned that you hope to have some human data on MBX 200, but uh, any other studies or, or any projects in the pipeline? Oh, we have a lot of different things going on in our laboratory. So we try and build muscle in people. And so we do a lot of things that are, are really good for understanding how to build muscle. And one of the things that muscle is used for, and that's the muscle of specific animals is for, is for meat. So we've got a, a huge new project funded by the NSF that basically we're trying to produce meat in a laboratory situation. So, so we've got a consortium here at Davis that's trying to, to generate lab-based meat to, to try and meet the next generation of food need as our population continues to grow. So we've got that. We've got a lot of different things to try and understand how both muscle and tendon are uh, affected by different types of exercise. And we've got a lot of data that's coming out on those things. We are studying a number of different muscle diseases, try and prevent some of the early death that that occurs as as a result of muscle disease. So we've got a lot of different things that are going on in the laboratory right now. 
You are certainly staying busy. You'll have to keep us posted on all the muscle studies that you're conducting, as well as the lab-based meat. And of course, that human data on MBX 200. Dr. Keith Barr, the muscle scientist, thank you so much for joining the NutriCast today. Thank you very much for having me. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.